Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. You may recall we're having a little bit of fun as we spend the next three weeks taking a look at some darker topics. We're getting it started this week with awful history. Yesterday, it was Tuskegee. Today, we're exploring the Panama Canal. Lead editor at Uptime, Alex Gendler, is a Brooklyn-based writer specializing in political theory, history, and internet culture. He takes us back to the middle of the 19th century when the California gold rush brought thousands of settlers to America's West Coast. He explains finding gold may have been easier than transporting it back east. The only hope for avoiding a grueling six-month wagon journey was to travel to the narrowest portion of the continent, the 48-kilometer Isthmus of Panama. By 1855, a railroad spanning the region significantly shortened the trip, but unloading and reloading ships at each port cost time and money. To truly connect these two bodies of water, shipping interests needed a canal a continuous maritime passage through the isthmus. The first attempt at this colossal construction project was taken up in 1881 by French diplomat Ferdinand de Lesseps. De Lesseps had supervised construction of Egypt's Suez Canal, but his success made him overconfident. He insisted on digging the canal at sea level, even though it required boring directly through the Continental Divide mountain range. Futile excavation efforts were buried under constant landslides, and since the diplomat had only visited the site briefly during Panama's dry season, his workers were unprepared for torrential storms, venomous jungle fauna, and tropical diseases. After spending 287 million and losing a staggering 22,000 lives, the French abandoned the project. While the French were working to complete the Panama Canal, the United States had been considering building a canal through Nicaragua. But when the French failed to complete the Panama Canal, the U.S. seized the opportunity. Gendler goes on to explain that Panamanian leaders were also eager to complete the canal because it would bring their country business and prestige. However, Panama was still a part of Colombia at the time, and the country was stalling negotiations with the U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt went straight to the Panamanians. With encouragement and military support from the U.S., Panama launched a coup in 1903. Within days, they became an independent nation and signed a treaty to begin construction of the canal. So a little over 10 years after the French had abandoned the project, America was ready to begin. Determined to avoid their predecessors' mistakes, the United States decided that instead of cutting the mountain down to sea level, they'd raise the sea up the mountain. Gendler explains, the plan was to build massive steel gates separating the canal into multiple chambers with different water levels. As a ship passed through, each successive gate would open, lowering the water level in the next chamber, while raising the ship and allowing it to move on. The design called for five of these so-called canal locks, three on the Atlantic side and two on the Pacific, raising traversing ships 26 meters above sea level. Operating this lock system would require a massive reservoir of water, and fortunately the low-lying Chagres River Valley provided a natural solution. By building a dam across the gap where the river flowed out to the sea, the entire valley could be flooded. At 32 meters high, and over 800 meters wide, the Gatun Dam would be larger than any built before. 
Gendler goes on to describe that with this innovative plan, the Americans didn't need to excavate the entire mountain, but rather just the pathway for the canal itself. Still, the work was staggering. Even after progress made by the French, it took over nine years for 24,000 workers to blow up, shovel, and drill out the Calibra Cut, a roughly 14-kilometer passageway through the Continental Divide. The railway, now upgraded and rerouted to follow the canal, carted away over 76 million cubic meters of excavated rock to be used at the Gatton Dam site. Jenner explains construction was only half the battle. Leading army officials struggled to maintain infrastructure and sanitation, but accidents and diseases took the lives of 5,000 more workers, mostly Black Caribbean migrants. Then, in the fall of 1913, the moment finally came. A telegraph signal from President Woodrow Wilson triggered a dike explosion, flooding the Calibra Cut and joining the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Today, nearly 14,000 vessels travel through the isthmus annually, each in under 12 hours. The canal remains Panama's chief source of revenue, and since the country gained ownership of the passage in 1999, it has also become a source of national pride. The Panama Canal is truly a feat of engineering, perhaps the greatest of modern times. But by the time it was complete, it had claimed the lives of some 27,000 workers, and thousands upon thousands had been injured in life-altering ways. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day three of our week on awful history. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.